You're tuned to Tidings, and I'm Hazel Kahn. Today, I must start with a confession that I've entirely missed a second hidden story in my Tidings interviews. I've been on the air many times over the years reporting on Palestine and more than once talking about the issue very dear to my heart, and that is Palestine's olive trees and olive farmers. Some of those have mentioned Zatun, the Palestinian cultural organization that was founded by Robert Massoud in Canada, and the olive oil and the other products sold by Zatun in solidarity with Palestine. My very good friend and also a Zatun supporter, Judith Asphalt, said to me recently in her gentle Scottish voice, why don't you interview Robert then? And I turned her question to me into a question to myself. Yes, I said to myself, why after so many years of contact with the organization, haven't I ever interviewed Robert himself instead of always talking about Zatun and its various activities and products? Today, I hope to answer that question. So welcome, Robert, Robert Massoud, to Tidings and to WPKN. And thank you for agreeing, in principle at least, to having a more personal conversation than maybe is usual for you. Hello, Hale. I'm very glad to be with you again. Thank you, Robert. I think we should begin with your giving our listeners a little bit of biography, if you will, about Satoon. So take our listeners on a quick history of Zatun, its beginnings, and where it stands today. Very happy to do that. Zatun will be 20 years old as of April of next year. Mm -hmm. And the genesis, though, is really in 2002, 2003, after the first, second intifada, the killing of Rachel Corey, the impending Iraq war. And there just seemed to be so much happening and also, in a way, not enough happening. And I really felt a need to bring Palestine in my own way to the discussion. I knew that I did not want to be in the media as such or politics as such. There was already too much of that. And in, to some extent, that's been the historic problem for Palestine is words and images which could be manipulated and spun. I wanted to do something different. I wanted to do something that actually spoke to people as people, something that was of experience and of reality. And I'd struggled to find what that was going to be. And ultimately, whether I found it or it found me, was the idea to bring Palestinian olive oil to Canada and the United States and offer it for sale as a way to connect people with Palestine and I have to say that 20 years later, we're going very strong. We've touched, I don't know exactly how many thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people with that very strong personal experiential connection of soul and family and people and humanity and dignity and of the earth. Things that I really wanted to bring as a, as a dimension of Palestine to Canadians and Americans. And I can't tell you how often I receive emails and note cards thanking me for bringing an opportunity to be in contact, to do something tangible. 
I really feel that as a people, Canadians and Americans, we want to be as individuals taking part in the world. We don't just want our governments and our leaders speaking for us, but we have to find vehicles for that. And buying the olive oil, sharing the olive oil, gifting the olive oil is a way for people to actually act in a real way to a real world problem. I've always maintained that Palestine, Israel is of world consequence. Whatever happens there has such consequences. One of the greatest consequences of Israel-Palestine is the United Nations and U.S. policy. A lot of it has been driven by what's good for Israel and what does Israel need. And I personally feel that the United Nations and international law and the Geneva Conventions have been seriously constrained by the need to protect and shield Israel. I'd like to actually move more personally to you and Zatun as your life's work. Why did you decide to make this your life's work? You told me when we talked a few days ago that you're a Palestinian. And I don't think you've actually said that in this interview. No, I haven't. You're right. And you told me the other day what it means to be Palestinian. Can you recapture some of that? Sure. My professional background is in marketing, business strategy, and communication. But I did that, you know, basically for a nice paycheck. But Zatoon has really come forth in the last 20 years as what I view as my life's work, in that I've put my passion, I've put my energy and my time in a way that I couldn't do to anything else. If Zatoon was a business, it would have closed, you know, 18 years ago because it makes no sense as a business. Yes, I'm Palestinian. I was born in Jerusalem. My parents came to Canada when I was a child. But what drives me is not that I am Palestinian and this is happening to Palestinians. What drives me is a real sense that Israel-Palestine, as I said earlier, is of world consequence. It is the center of what ails the planet and humanity. And we're not going to get world peace. We're not going to get world justice if Israel-Palestine continues to be this wound in the human family and on the planet, because it has worked to limit and pervert international law. As practiced and, and the Geneva Convention, they have all been abrogated in favor of protecting Israel and its actions, whether that be refugee status with annexation or conquering land, dispossessing of land, transferring of people, economic hardship, limiting mobility. These are all things that are illegal in international law on an occupying force. But here we are, you know, 50 years later, they continue to happen and they get worse. There's now, I think, three quarters of a million Jews in illegal colony settlements inside the West Bank. There shouldn't have been one according to international law. So it's not a question of, you know, my ethnic group. Of course, I have feelings about that, but I'm also a citizen of the world. I believe in justice. I believe in the equal application of international conventions. Because once we, you know, jettison those, we're lost. We're at sea without a paddle, without a compass, in the fog. And I think Israel-Palestine has a large part to play in being that fog. And it's time for the fog to lift. You're a citizen of the world. Of course, I understand that. And you're talking for on a much more global scale. But there's something about, in this context at least, Palestinian means 
that you're in service and that you downplay yourself as part of the presentation, that there's an anonymity and a humility that's part of the Palestinian in this circumstance. So that you, as a Palestinian, maybe it's you being an activist. You got into the whole idea then about being silenced. Can we start talking about that? Yep, yep. The idea of Zatun, at least, you know, in my conception, and maybe in the early, earliest days, I, I didn't have a conscious understanding of it. But ultimately, and very quickly, Zatun became my voice. And I think you need to understand that for Palestinians, especially as they live in North America, they have a sense of being silenced, of not being able to really stand up and give their voice. This goes back 50 years from when my parents emigrated to today. Although you could say it's less so today because of the advances and the multiculturalism and the internet and so on. But fundamentally, there is still a great sense of not being able to speak your voice, to speak your identity, to speak the issues that affect you. And and for me, you know, I really had no means of having a voice except for Zetun. I mean, one can write articles and one can, you know, write letters to parliament or to your congressman and so on, but you have no control about where they go. So for me, I was just very, very fortunate that Zatun, you know, became that that road, that vehicle for me to to ride with my voice. And even when I didn't have a voice in the sense of being there right with it, the olive oil spoke for itself mm-hmm. to people about, about Palestine, about the farmers, sparked an interest so that people could begin to, you know, inform themselves at their own pace, in their own way, and then also to take action. And and so I am, how should I say, I am immeasurably grateful to Zatun for the opportunity to have voice. Because, I mean, look at it this way. If it wasn't for Zatun, I would not be being interviewed right now with you and having my voice, you know, transmitted to, you know, your listeners. So that's what Zatun has done. And it's done it in such a way that I think it also opens people up to the message that they wouldn't, had it been a, you know, purely political or, you know, an article. People don't respond the same way as they would to a message speaking of olive oil and of farmers and of humanity and our need for mutual sustenance and identity and so on. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted really to, to say how important it is that I found my voice through Zatun because the vast majority of Palestinians don't have that opportunity to have a voice. They right. feel suppressed, they feel silenced, they feel oppressed. And with, with good reason, you could say the Israel lobby and the, the various infrastructure of the Israel shield is so extensive. I mean, I don't know if your listeners may have ever come across an organization called Canary Mission. Well, Canary Mission basically is a blacklist site that lists Palestinians and their supporters, anyone who's advocating for Palestine, so that their name is out there in this negative way, so that potentially uh, employers can see it and uh, immigration to basically intimidate and discourage people from Palestinian solidarity. It's a form of blacklisting. 
Absolutely. <laughs> McCarthyism is, is not that old. I mean, it may have been 70 years ago. But for Palestine, it's a reality on Palestine for Palestinians and for people who support them. Right. That brings me back then to this, this realization I had today. But why haven't I interviewed you? I've written about Satoon. I've spoken about Satoon. I buy your olive oil. I speak about it to people. I give it as gifts. But I never thought of interviewing you, Robert Massoud. And it occurs to me that the reason I didn't interview you is because Zatoon products and Zatoon organization may be speaking for you and maybe your voice, but there is still the human being, Robert Massoud, who exists independently of Zatoon, to the extent at least I didn't think of interviewing you because you were so um, embodied in Zatoon that I didn't realize you were also a psychological entity. And that's my interest because I am, in the end, a psychologist. I'm interested in you without Satoon as well. I'm just wondering if I was joining in the silence in, in a way without realizing it, that I didn't see you as separate from Zatoon, which is what you wanted to be. You wanted to be embodied in Zatoon. Yes, very much so. I mean, I, I my identity is so intertwined with Zatoon. I don't have a problem with that because to me, it's a symbiotic relationship. I mean, I operate Zatoon, I make it work, I work very hard at it, it carries my voice. You know, it's a very organic relationship. I, I'm not necessarily hiding behind Zatoon, but I let Zatoon be my voice and mm. carry my voice. And when I'm invited to speak, I will speak as an individual, as we are now. I'm very happy with that and I'm very proud of that. On the other hand, Robert, I was just wondering, does Israel prevent you from bringing the oil to, to Canada? The container has to pass through the Green Line and through, through Haifa. So Israel doesn't stop the shipment, but it makes it very difficult and very expensive. It comes to Canada, goes through customs. Robert Massoud is talking about Zatoon and Palestine's olive oil. This is Hazel Khan and Tidings on WPKN Radio. And our shipment is inspected almost every year. It's supposed to be a random inspection, but we're inspected every year at a cost mm -hmm. of $2,000 each time for all the logistics involved in the inspections. You know, like I said earlier, if we were a business, we would have closed a long time ago because there would not be the financial rewards or the financial rationale for going through this stuff. You could only be doing it because you believe in something. The only reason I can continue into year 20 is because of the relationships, because I am dealing with goodwill people, people who are conscientious, people who are open, people who are desirous of a, of a just world, a world of lawfulness in a good way, of, of equal treatment before the law, of diversity. But yet you told me, that even though what you're doing is not, in your words, not especially radical, you've still had to be guided by some self-censoring, that you see Zatun as subversive, an antidote to the kind of silencing that afflicts Palestinians in general. Is that right? Have you yourself been silenced? You've had to take this subversive route, so you had to censor yourself. As I said earlier, Zatun has paved the way for me to have a voice. 
in a way that a lot of other people are not able to in academia, in, in, in pure activism, where they are restricted, their venues are canceled, they are censored in, in a particular way, they're intimidated. Zatoon, because of its who it is and how it does things, has some freedom there because, mm. you know, it's not like terrorist oil. And anybody who attacks the oil, I think, ends up looking foolish. So the oil and Zatuna as an organization has opened up doors that wouldn't otherwise have been opened for fear of being too controversial or being too negative or upsetting, you know, Jewish friends or Zionist friends and that kind of thing, which is always a real concern. So I have really walked the path of Zatun. Um, to speak whenever invited, to write in a newsletter, but in such a way that it is still very conscientiously measured. Palestine is a hot potato. I mean, people want to generally stay away from it as a topic. Zatoon's goal was to make it less of a hot potato, make it something that people are open to expressing, to engaging in, because it is a human substance. Olive oil is a spiritual substance. Mm. It's in, in many religions, it forms part of our ceremonies. Even in the secular world, it's a symbol of peace and healing and wisdom. So all these connotations humanize the olive oil and humanize the discussion. Zatun has opened because for Palestinians, a lot of doors are closed. They're not invited to speak, except in very limited ways and limited spaces because of the fear, not just of the speakers themselves, but the organizations and the institutions that might be inviting them. Now we talk about cancel culture. You know, the mother of cancel culture is Israel-Palestine. The Palestinian voice has been canceled then entirely as a function of Zionism. I mean, that is what you're saying. Yes, I am, because basically the Palestinian voice, its only opponent is Israel and Zionism. Without that, the Palestinian voice would be like the Sri Lankan voice or the Congonese voice. It would be just one of many. It's out there in the world because of the injustice suffered by the Palestinians through the Nakba and the creation of Israel in 1948. And it won't go away. Here it is as an ongoing a real situation that has compromised international law, the United Nations, the actions of the Security Council for all these years. And yet it's still with us. The United States, yes, as being, you know, the primary shield uh, for Israel in, in public bodies. And also, you know, the United States has given practically a trillion dollars to Israel in military assistance. These are all issues that cannot be discussed. Palestine is outside the frame of discussion. That's what happens when you silence, you know, both in the Democrats and the Republicans. It's really the more radical elements of the left that have the courage to speak up about Palestine. Mm -hmm. I don't want to take anything away from the existential kind of reality of being silenced as a Palestinian. But a couple of individuals I was hoping you talk about. One is Jonathan Cook, people yeah. who have spoken out and have been, you use the word diminished. Can you just give them briefly a couple of minutes of our time to note their yes. diminishment? Yes. I, I mentioned Chris Hedges, whose voice has been diminished 
because he's not appearing in searches, his articles aren't being linked in Facebook or in social media. Jonathan Cook is a specialist in the Middle East. He's from the UK, but he now lives inside of Israel in Nazareth. He married a Palestinian woman and, and has a family. He's an excellent journalist on virtually any topic he chooses and very insightful, very thoughtful. But his income has been diminished and now he has to to rely on donations to continue his work. And we see that all over the internet. And we also see that in the example of Norman Finkelstein, who has spoken out for 30 years against Zionism and in fact written four or five seminal books on the topic, who was a leading academic in Chicago up for tenure at DePaul University until Alan Dershkovitz kiboshed it all. And he was denied tenure and had to leave academia. And now he lives by basically giving interviews and writing articles the best he can. So his livelihood has been diminished because of the silencing that took place. Does that mean he's also diminished when he writes about it? Is his voice weaker? These are people of enormous courage who have suffered livelihood costs, but for the content of their voice, the courage of their voice has not been diminished. So Jonathan Cook, Chris Hedges, Norman Finkelstein, the message is still the same. It's just that it can't get out to the extent that they were able to. These are messages that need to be heard, not just because of Israel-Palestine, just because of the, the integrity, scholarship of their message, which is of benefit to the world and to humanity, is no longer being heard. But they haven't shied away from speaking the truth, even though the power has really knocked them down. Robert, we're going to have to end in a minute. You are basically telling me that because of Zatun, and we didn't even talk about the organization, the kind of cultural organization that was embodied in a building, in a place in Toronto. That no longer exists. Yeah. There's a collection of high rises now where it stood once. So that embodiment of your organization no longer exists. But the olive oil and assorted other products like the Zatar and those things yeah. still exist. So those things you're still able to do in the way that you always have. And yes. you told me that Israel doesn't interfere with the shipping out of Palestinian products unless they call them Israeli products, do they? You know, there's a huge element of debate or discussion or dispute around the country of origin. Right. So we used to be product of Palestine on our label. And as of three years ago, four years ago now, we shifted to product of West Bank because the word Palestine was becoming more prevalent in certain forums, uh, certainly public ones. In official forums, it's becoming less and less available. The country of origin is, is very specific. So the Canadian government, the American government, through the labeling regulations, do not allow product of Palestine. And so we moved away from that because we felt that it was a lot safer to do that than, than have to relabel 40,000 bottles with, <laughs> with a sticker up on the word Palestine. We just don't have the resources for that. Right. So now it's called West Bank. 
And the West yeah. Bank, of course, Israel claims as, as Israel. So it's worse than that because where this whole issue came from in Canada, at least, was in settlement wine. So you had wine yeah. being produced in the West Bank, but labeled as product of Israel. Right. Right. Mm. And so a number of activists took it to court at the federal level saying that this is contrary to Canadian policy, that the West Bank is not part of Israel. And so it's a very long story, but that's where the whole dispute around country of origin originated about six years ago. Right. And so it's not part of Israel, but it's occupied Palestinian territories. And that's not, I guess, an official designation. It's an official designation, but but the the label on the wine says product of Israel. If yeah. it said product of West Bank, product of occupied Palestinian territories, it doesn't do either one of those. It says product of Israel. Yeah. And that's a misrepresentation right. of its origin. I guess to end, because we have to, Robert, yeah. I just want to know, so you basically, because you were... I don't know, I'm just going to say very smart and intuitive and knowledgeable, you were able to convert, in a sense, the bottle of olive oil into this subversive thing that allowed you to speak more freely about Palestine than perhaps many other people have been able to, that your subversion worked. Would you accept that way of my stating it? I would say the following, that Zatun opened doors that were not possible earlier. Zatun is not subversive in that way, but what Zatun is, it opens it opens people's minds and ears. And if that's subversive, then that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, subversiveness is a good thing in this context. Yeah. yeah. So you've protected the whole thing. Has there been any cost to you psychologically, personally, in terms of being silenced or feeling silenced, or has this all worked really well for you? Are you immune then from any personal diminishment? I'm very happy with Zatun because Zatun has been my voice and I value voice above all else. I just cannot imagine my life if I was not able to speak and to speak a certain truth. I think that is the core of our humanity and of our identity. It's a story of Palestine that you're telling through Zatun. And it's a story that many Palestinians feel has been silenced, not able to be shared. Can you just summarize as we end what that story is? The story of Zatun is that of Palestine. Being able to be in the world and to express to the world a certain connection to the land of Palestine, the people of Palestine, in their search for a livelihood, for their search for justice. So in that way, I think Zatun is a very effective storyteller of the Palestinian story, which can't be told by CNN or in Congress, but it can be told in every house that has purchased Zatun at every table and every mealtime, it can be given and shared to other people. That's the story of Palestine that has been suppressed and that Zatun is a fortuitous channel to tell that story in a very small way. It's not about grandstanding. It's not, you know, addressing the United Nations or Congress or anything. It's just in people's kitchens in a very humble way. Zatun is a very 
humble story told about a humble people in a humble land. There is no aspiration to greatness or to, you know, domination. It's just, it's wanting to exist and resist and to connect. In a way that's been done for generations. That's right. Well, thank you, you very know? much, Robert. But as we end, how can people learn more about what you are doing and about Saturn? It's been wonderful to, to be with you yet again. And I would invite people to learn more about Zatoon. That's at zatoon.com. So that's Z-A-T-O-U-N.com. On the site, you'll find a lot of good information about the whole situation and the olive oil. Uh, there's a number of links. I welcome people to, to taste it and share it and connect with Israel-Palestine and participate in something greater than just ourselves. Thank you, Robert Massoud, founder of Zatun. Thank you very much for telling the story and for your time that you've spent with us. Thank you, Robert. Thank you, Hazel. Thank you. You've been listening to Robert Massoud talking about his company, Zatun and Palestine's olive oil. You can hear tidings at, at this time on the second Wednesday of the month and any time at all on hazelkhan.com. Please join us on October 15th as WPKN celebrates our 60th anniversary with Loudon Wainwright III in concert on the North Fork of Long Island. See wpkn.org for details. Thank you for listening. I'm Hazel Kahn.